to the Psych Central podcast, where each episode features guest experts discussing psychology and mental health in everyday, plain language. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Psych Central podcast. Calling into the show today, we have Chelsea Brooke, the founder of Pathfinder. It's where she helps introverted women strip away everything they were told to be, uncover who they really are, and find their authentic path. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. The first question that I have is, can you give us a little more about Pathfinder? Why did you decide that this was important? You know, I'm speaking as a male and I think, well, aren't we all just our authentic selves always? But, mm-hmm. you know, sort of in our, our pre-package, you kind of explain that, you know, sometimes females see it differently. Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, great question. So part of the reason that I founded the Pathfinder is out of my own personal experiences. You know, I always kind of had the idea that I was an introvert. I always felt um, kind of out of place, awkward. And of course, I was told from other people, like, you're shy, you're antisocial, you should speak up more, you should participate more. So I always felt like there was just something wrong with me. So having that experience throughout my life and then majoring in psychology and sociology and then going on to become a professional counselor, I saw that a lot in my practice as well. And then I really wanted to help other introverted women kind of step over some of the struggles that I went through and help them reframe a lot of those misunderstandings that they might have heard growing up from family, friends, and just cultural expectations of who they should be and uncover that authentic self that can be layered up with all of the myths and misconceptions that they've heard their whole life and then use that authentic part of them to create their life and career path instead of basing it on this misunderstanding of who they are. I think it's very interesting that you said that there's a misconception surrounding introversion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Full disclosure, I am the biggest extrovert that you will ever meet. I, I love being the center of attention. It's not an accident that I host a podcast. So my understanding of introversion is probably wrong. And my understanding as an introvert is somebody who doesn't like to talk to people. Please explain to me what an introvert actually is. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Okay. So one of the first things I found interesting is that I actually Googled, you know, what does the dictionary define as an introvert? And it says it's a shy, withdrawn person, which is totally incorrect. And sadly, it really shows the bias that's so prevalent in our culture against introverts. So first of all, it's really important to know the difference that introversion and shyness are not the same thing. So while some introverts are shy, extroverts can also be shy too. Introversion has to do with your temperament, your personality that you're born with, and shyness is a social anxiety that can affect any personality type. Part of the way that I describe the biggest difference between introverts and extroverts is how we process and respond to information in different environments. Kind of like this, an extrovert, you know, they hear something, they respond. There's not a lot of processing going on in their brain between what they hear and their response. They're just kind of saying the first thing that comes to their mind. And that's just the pathway. That's how their brain was developed and how it works. Introverts, on the other hand, hear something or they're asked a question and then their brain begins to think about possible answers they could give, what the reaction might be to those responses. Maybe other times that they've been asked questions like that, they start thinking about which way they like to respond, try to find the right words. Then they start to answer your question. But at this point, it's been far too long and people begin to wonder if you're okay, what's wrong, or they've moved on altogether. So that's just a short example of what has happened to introverts over their lives that makes people think they don't like people or that they are not as quick-witted or they don't know enough. A lot of times introverts are misunderstood because we take longer. And that's literally because our brains are using a different, longer pathway. And so we're 
we're literally wired differently. And while we can go very deep and we process things and we like a lot of reflection and we actually need a lot of alone time and solitude to process and sift through all the information that's going on in our environment. And, and extroverts just process the world differently. During my research for this show, one of the things that I read is that introversion and extroversion at its real core is based on how you recharge. Right. So for example, an introvert, like you said, wants to be alone and that's how they regain their energy. Whereas an extrovert wants to be around people and that's where they get their energy. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. So aside from how we process and respond to information, that is the biggest differences between introverts and extroverts. So even when introverts are around people that they enjoy or they're at events and environments that they enjoy, they're still being drained by interacting with others, even if they're having a great time. Extroverts become more excited and more pumped up from being around other people and they get drained when they're alone. So yes, that is definitely a big difference between introverts and extroverts. During this conversation, you've talked about important things to know about introverts and how they differ from extroverts and, and how this can impact their lives. But in your opinion, what's the most important thing to know about being an introvert? So in an extroverted culture, you know, introverts' natural tendencies and preferences will always kind of be at odds with what's expected. Like our tendency to want that solitude, want silence, to enjoy reflection and observation. And observation for introverts is participation. A lot of times, in you know, group meetings at work or at school or whatever, we are literally engaged in the conversation just by observing what's going on. Whereas for an extrovert, they think you need to be encouraged to join in because uh, you're not enjoying yourself or they want to ask if you're okay. So the fact that those are natural tendencies are always going to be at odds with society. So without knowing who you are and why you think, act, and feel the way you do, you're going to get this constant sense of being different or just plain wrong. Something I really work with my clients on is that knowledge is truly power. But understanding alone isn't enough. We also have to translate that into how we live our lives. So we need to know how to set boundaries, to ask what we need, and create an environment that we're really happy in and we can thrive in. You know, success, happiness, fulfillment, that looks different for introverts. So we have to get clear on what those things mean for us and then start incorporating that in everything we do. One of the things that you talk about on your website is people think that not only being an introvert is weak, but being an introverted female is weak. And then ultimately being feminine is weak. Mm -hmm. Do people think that being feminine or being a woman is weakness? I think sometimes in our culture, we consider masculine traits as being, you know, direct, bold, logical, very assertive, like this is what you need to be successful. And especially because the women I work with are usually wanting a career change or want to find some kind of work environment that's more authentic with who they are. A lot of times they feel like they are encouraged to tap into that masculine side and that that's what they need to succeed in business, certainly in career and leadership roles and things like that. And the more feminine qualities of being compassionate and sensitive and understanding that those are more secondary or not as important as the masculine traits. I think it's definitely something that we need to work on as a culture and then within our own, you know, micro groups in our families and communities and workplaces to find that balance. And it's especially important for introverted women because not only do they have the introvert piece where they're different from extroverts, but then they have the feminine qualities that are maybe at odds with the 
perceived more desirable traits being masculine. So I definitely think it's something that we need to work on and make sure we have a healthy balance of that and not feel like feminine traits aren't as necessary or as valuable as masculine. It's fascinating that we've genderized personality traits. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of what you said, like being caring. Well, that that's a feminine trait. Mm-hmm. And being aggressive in the workplace. Well, that's a masculine trait. Aren't these just personality traits that appear in all kinds of people in any random order based on your personality? Yeah, they definitely can be. I mean, we could also associate being extroverted with being more bold and assertive and then being introverted with being more quiet. But uh, the latest research actually suggests that men tend to be slightly more introverted than women. So that throws a whole nother uh, mix into the loop that we're talking about because sometimes we, like you said, we think of masculine and feminine traits as masculine would be more kind of extroverted and then feminine traits of being more introverted. But the latest research suggests that men are actually more introverted than women. So yeah. It's definitely interesting. You know, my wife has an MBA. She She's very much in the business world and she's a supervisor at her job. And she talks about the difference between managing younger professionals mm. and women versus men. And she sort of echoes what you said. And she said that men are more prone to sit back and expect their work to be noticed, mm. whereas women are more prone to not toot their own horn or be braggarts, but to make sure that she and the other management team understands what they're working on. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about, because I don't think that has anything to do with extroversion or introversion. I think it has to do with the cultural expectations that men just believe that they'll get what's coming to them if they work hard, whereas women are sort of more conditioned to understand that they may be passed over if they don't advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like what you talk about when you talk about helping people understand how to use their introversion in the workplace and get unstuck with where they are and get to their authentic self? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really speaks to how introverted women would be kind of at a double disadvantage because they are going against the cultural norm that we expect of women too, is to be very social, energetic, talkative. They're supposed to get the people together and do the group meetings and want to be involved in that. And introverts a lot of times feel like if they talk about what they're doing or what they're working on or their successes or achievements, that they're bragging and they never want to appear that way. So I kind of a three-step process that I work with introverted women on how they can advocate for themselves authentically in the workplace. And the first thing to learn how to do that is to understand yourself. That's why I speak so much on understanding how your brain works and why you think, act, and feel the way you do, because knowledge truly is power in that regard. And then two, educating others that who you are and that that's perfectly okay. I know for me as an introvert, if I am prepared and knowledgeable at something, then I feel so much more authentic and I feel so much more confident in advocating that to other people. And it's really not that you have to go and be bold and brazen like we think of when we think of someone advocating for something. It's just being yourself and making that okay. You can participate in group meetings by taking awesome notes and then sending follow-up emails. You can really shine in different ways that maybe extroverts wouldn't, but introverts are sitting back and they can focus and they can process information so deeply and they tend to be organized and dependable and consistent in all of these other strengths. And that's actually my last point that I work with introverted women on to advocate for themselves is to work with your strengths instead of against them. Don't feel like you need to make excuses for who you are or just put on your extroverted facade and get through the day. 
it's okay to be who you are and to work with your strengths instead of feeling like you need to be somebody else. We're going to step away to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions. Plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. And we're back discussing introversion with Chelsea Brooke. Let's build on advocating for yourself in the workplace a little bit. When you think of the average introvert, how can they advocate for themselves authentically in the workplace and not come off as, you know, bragging or being too aggressive? Or, you know, in the case of women, they often get called, you know, the B word, and all they're doing is advocating for their own position. Mm -hmm. So how can introverts advocate for themselves authentically in the workplace in a productive and positive way? So I think one of the important things to realize is that so much of our communication is done non-verbally, you know, facial expressions, hand gestures, nodding, leaning forward, you know, making eye contact, all those things that introverts really naturally do as we're processing and we're observing, especially in group meetings or in our workplaces. And that is an authentic way for introverts to advocate for themselves using your nonverbal communication, using what you would normally do to express yourself and conserve your verbal communication and you're talking for more important conversations. So that's something introverts really have to be aware of throughout the day, especially if you're in a typical work environment where there's cubicles or you have big group meetings and things like that. You have to be really intentional about uh, where you're spending your energy because it's kind of naturally being drained throughout the day. So that's another tip is really setting boundaries around how much you talk and participate in things versus if you have time to take your lunch break and go to the car instead of going to the break room or something where other people would be going out. If you have a 15 minute break, take a walk or go somewhere else and just be by yourself. Just look at nature. Anything like that to regain your energy throughout the day is really important. And then going back to the bragging piece, introverts really do not like feeling like they are bragging about themselves or being arrogant in any way. And so a lot of times, unfortunately, people don't know how much we do know or how much we're actually working on or the successes that we've had because we don't want to talk about them because we feel like that's being arrogant. Even just remembering to put your name on anything that you create, produce, help with, because so many times people just don't even realize the, the back-end stuff that's going on that you're helping with. And so just even putting your name on that or just bringing it up in conversation with people, you know, oh, I was so excited because I worked on this project and we did this, you know, what are you working on these days? Use your natural reflection and observation of other people, ask questions, just be curious about other people, and then just kind of slide in what you're working on instead of making it just about you. Introverts can be uncomfortable with the spotlight. And so saying what you did and then shifting the conversation is not only helpful for introverts, but also it's just good communication in general. So those are just a few tips to help introverts really advocate for themselves authentically in the workplace. I really like what you said there. And I'm sort of reminded of a problem that I had in my past life. I used to work in fundraising and a lot of people who are excellent donors and really support nonprofits and charities, they really have this belief that you must do so anonymously or you're not doing it for the right reasons. And I would hear that all the time. This is an anonymous donation. I'm doing it for the right reasons. You know, it has like a nice ring to it, doesn't it? I'm I'm not doing it for the credit. That feels like it's good, but 
Here's the problem with that. You're not modeling this behavior. You're not showing your friends and neighbors that being charitable and that supporting other people or that helping the less fortunate or that being involved in the social good is something that our society values. It's something that you value. You know, a lot of us get our habits, quite frankly, from our families, but the secondary place we get our habits is from our friends and neighbors. And if I see my friends and neighbors all giving to a charity, I am much more likely to think, well, wait a minute, this must be a charity that is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Because after all, my, my neighbor John or my friend Jim or whomever sort of vouches for it. Right. Is this happening in the workplace where everybody has convinced themselves that if they keep their head down and be quiet, they will somehow be, I don't know, better than if they own what they have and model good work behavior and and move forward in a respectful yet bold way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And what you're really talking about is that we can think that talking about what we're doing is bragging in some way, just like mentioning whatever we're doing. So for introverts, especially, I think it's really important for us to realize that being authentic is going to look different for us than an extrovert. However, that doesn't mean that we don't need to advocate for ourselves in those ways that I've talked about, like using email to send notes of appreciation or encouragement or to say something, you know, you know, you forgot to add in a meeting because in group meetings, as um, the myths often come for introverts is that we're, we're shy, we're antisocial a lot of times because we are inundated with classrooms and then group meetings. And that's not where we shine. You know, that's not our best place. We really shine more with one-on-one conversations, but Still, the way that you can show your participation, even in those situations, is to send follow-up emails about questions or thoughts that came up during the meeting. Come to the meeting prepared with questions, and I encourage my clients to ask questions in the beginning of the meeting instead of waiting for an opportune time, because that's another thing that introverts struggle with is they don't want to interrupt people. So I, as an extrovert, would think nothing of just speaking right after somebody else was done or speaking whether they are you know, called on or not. Introverts actually think that's being rude sometimes. So we will wait to be asked a question or we'll wait to raise our hands. And then that can look like we're not participating when really we're just actually trying to be nice and do what we think is respectful. So asking those questions beforehand, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, before you get that awkward, anxious feeling also helps introverts be more authentic for themselves as well. So let's say at this point in the show, somebody's listening and they're like, oh my, I am the introvert. I am the person at work. I don't understand it. I feel very stuck. Mm -hmm. How do they become unstuck and start moving forward with their career or, or their life? First of all, I think it's important just to have a mindset shift on what that means. So a lot of times the difference between staying stuck or getting unstuck has to do with our perspective. Feeling stuck doesn't have to be this terrible experience, even though it often feels that way at the time. It can feel so heavy and draining, but it's really just your body's way of telling you that something isn't right. It's time for a change and your current situation has run its course. So feeling stuck can be a new catalyst into a new, better, more aligned situation, or it can be the point at which you just settle into discontentment for the rest of your life, which we don't want to do that. So recognizing that our feelings, our emotions are often just a feedback mechanism for what's going on in our heads and hearts. And it gives us so much more peace and understanding and how to start making changes in our lives. So first, starting with that mindset shift doesn't have to be a terrible thing. This is just my body's way of telling me something isn't right. And then the next step would be, again, understanding yourself. And for introverts, especially introverted women, a lot of times that starts with going back to 
childhood, thinking about your school experiences, your work experiences, you know, how were you described? Then what was valued in your family? A lot of times introverts are raised sometimes with no one who understood their introversion. I know I was fortunate enough to be raised by a mom who was an introvert, but we didn't even know at the time as I was growing up to call it introversion. She really appreciated my quiet strengths, but we didn't know to call it introversion. So it wasn't until I started college at 16 and really got into introversion and psychology and sociology that I even found out that piece of me and really started putting all my life together. So understanding yourself, your brain, and then working on really working on rebuilding your self-belief because as introverts, a lot of times, like I said, we have all of these myths and misconceptions around who we are and we have these expectations from other people about what we should be. So a lot of times we don't always have the best self-belief in who we are because we don't even know what that looks like. We don't even know what being an authentic introvert looks like. So reframing and reshifting the way that you think about yourself and your strengths. And then finally creating that success mindset where you're really building on resiliency So even when you have fears or or self-doubts or negative self-talk that we all have sometimes, you know what to do when those things come up. So that's kind of the three-way approach that I encourage people to um, really work with if they are feeling stuck in their lives. I really like the the three-step approach, and I like that your goal is to help people get the most out of their lives. And when we talk about getting the most out of our lives, whether it's family, career, hobbies, we're really talking about efficiency and productivity. Mm -hmm. How do introverts work most efficiently and productively in the world? So specifically thinking about an ideal introverted work environment is really pretty simple. You know, it's based on the idea that Creativity really thrives with silence, independence, and organization. So to do our best work, we really need physical space to be on our own, preferably not a cubicle since this really doesn't give us the quietness that we need. We need scheduled time to be uninterrupted. As introverts, we can really get deep into thought and we can process something. And if we're really into something and then we have someone come over and just say, hey, what do you want for lunch? And we have to like come up out of all those thoughts just to answer what we want for lunch, something so trivial. It can take another 20 minutes for us to get back into that deep thought process that we were in. So scheduled time to be uninterrupted is really important. And having a daily, weekly schedule of meetings and clear expectations for projects or presentations that is coming up really gives us that safety and consistency and organization to know what's expected of us and then what we need to do. And then the option to provide feedback or participation through written form. A lot of times introverts feel like they really express themselves more effectively and more authentically through written form instead of talking. Even being able to do that really helps us as well. So these simple guidelines, which really can be helpful for any personality type, gives us the time and space we need to process not only the opinions and ideas of those around us, but also consider our own thoughts and how we can organize them into clear, concise, and helpful feedback. So a typical work environment, it's usually more skewed to favor extroverts and introverts. But I think this is really a disservice to both personality types, to introverts, because we aren't able to show our best work in that kind of environment, but then to extroverts, because they can really also benefit from individual time to formulate their own thoughts and stay organized and on task as well. In doing the research for this show, I I visited your website, which is an excellent website, and I recommend that the audience visit it. It's at www.thepathfinderforyou.com. It's in the show notes. Very, very cool website. But one of the questions that was on there, I'm just going to read it exactly, and I am really interested in your answer. It says, how can I learn to tap into my feminine qualities and incorporate them into my life and work? Mm, Going back to the, the masculine and feminine qualities, a lot of times 
even in our families and in our workplaces and in culture at large, we can feel like our feminine qualities are not as valuable or front and center as the more masculine qualities. So if you're feeling out of touch and you don't even know what that would look like for you, I really encourage uh, women to just start engaging in those nurturing activities. And you can try a whole bunch of different things if you don't know what that would be. For example, um, reading, writing, anything expressive, like getting involved in art, pottery, going out to look at the beauty of nature or going to a museum or sewing or cooking or gardening or any of those kinds of things. And if you're not sure, I would encourage you to just try them out and see which ones really resonate with you. I know for me, whenever I get around kids, that just really brings out my nurturing kind of maternal instinct, I guess. And it just makes me feel very authentic within my feminine qualities. So getting into that and doing those activities and seeing what that feels like and looks like for you, and then working on incorporating that in the workplace as well, just by feeling like you can bring your sensitivity and compassion and understanding into the workplace. And it's actually a strength and it can be helpful in so many situations rather than just feeling like you have to be this bold, assertive, direct, logical person. Bringing in understanding and compassion can really be helpful in any environment and can make you feel like you're being more authentic as well. Chelsea, thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for all of your answers. Do you have any final words for our audience? Mm, Yes, I'm so glad you asked that. So I know for me, the biggest thing that I learned throughout my journey is that being an introvert is okay and that there's nothing wrong with you. There can be so many interactions and experiences and environments that we're in that make us feel like we don't fit in or that we don't belong. And it's so important for introverts to know that they're okay and that there's nothing wrong with who they are and to really tap into their strengths. So many times when I work with introverts, once they learn what their strengths are, they're so happy that they are introverts. They just never looked at themselves in that way before. So doing your research, getting more understanding about what being an introvert means and how it impacts your life and then reframing your self-belief into being more authentic with what your strengths are and incorporating that into your daily life, I think is just the best advice that I can give introverts is knowing that they're okay and that they can be their authentic selves. Wonderful. Chelsea, thank you again for being on the show. We really appreciated having you. Yes, thank you so much. And listeners, if you could do me a favor and spread the word on social media, email a friend. Don't make us the best kept secret on the internet anymore. We really appreciate your help getting the word out. I would take it as a personal favor if you tell at least 100 people by the time I'm done talking. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere, simply by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. We will see everybody next week. You've been listening to the Psych Central podcast. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. To learn more about our host, Gabe Howard, please visit his website at gabehoward.com. Psychcentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website run by mental health professionals. Overseen by Dr. John Grohall, psychcentral.com offers trusted resources and quizzes to help answer your questions about mental health, personality, psychotherapy, and more. Please visit us today at psychcentral.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email show at psychcentral.com. Thank you for listening, and please share widely. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. 
One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.